Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga review episode. It is Maja Togfrost, Colt the 20th. My name is Adam, and today I'm going to give you my spoiler review of The Inheritance by Nancy Varian Berberick. Now, I will be spoiling this story, so if you don't want to know it, stop watching now. now but I would like to, of course, take a moment and thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the links in the description below. You can also pick up Dragonlance Game and materials from any edition, including 5th, by using the affiliate links in the description as well and all that just goes to help this channel just a little bit what what's the beak a little bit so to speak um now this is my perspective only and it's going to be covering arguably some tough issues for some people so uh if you have a perspective that differs from mine if your life experience speaks to different outcomes and different interpretations of this story let me know let's have an open and honest conversation about it or don't. <laughs> it's your choice. But let's have a good day. <clears throat> the way these work is I'm going to read you my pre-written review. And then whatever jumps in your guys' minds, throw it up there in the YouTube chat. And after the review, I will uh, give you my uh, attention. <laughs> Ultimately, we'll bounce ideas back and forth and we'll just have a little bit of fun. Right? I mean, it's, what is it, Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? It's early in the week. So let's have some fun this week, night. Yeah. Chris, how you doing? Thanks for doing live. Okay. First off, it's so refreshing to read a good Dragonlance novel after the New Adventures books. This story is about Tannis Half-Elven's mother, Alonsa, and ultimately how Tannis was conceived. It is not the tale we were originally told, and it's a book I've had for years that I totally forgot about until I picked it up at the time of writing this. The setup is that Alonsa Sungold is the wife of Prince Kethrinan, or Keth. Keth is the youngest brother of the Cornisty Speaker of the Sun, Solasteran. Alonsa is a woodshaper and was called to Bionost to heal some trees suffering from a blight. On the way, she was attacked by a band of brigands who killed all the elves except for Demlin, her guard, and they took Alonsa hostage, demanding that Demlin bring two wagons filled with weapons in exchange for Alonsa. The brigand's leader, Brand, then cut off Demlin's ear to show how serious he was about killing Alonsa if they didn't deliver the ransom. And then we're shown the brigand's life. Now this is set during the Age of Despair and in the rocky lands between Quilinisti and Thorbarnan, where brigands basically rule. There are warring factions of goblins and brigands, and Brand allows his elven follower to cut the head off of a goblin and returning it to the goblin leadership as punishment for them not delivering their ransom. We see this as a hardened group with no concern for anyone or anything other than their own survival. But there is a rivalry with the goblins. Recently, a hobgoblin named Nash took over three goblin towns to fill his growing goblin army. He now claims three towns, and he's looking for a fourth. They want revenge on Bran's brigands as much as the elves will. Demlin delivers the news to his king, who calls Keth and informs him. They ready six elven warriors to retrieve Alonsa and head out. We're introduced to Keth and his cousin Lindenlay, or Lynn. She is second in command in the army and best friends with Keth. At the same moment, the brigands move their camp to avoid the goblins searching for them, but they are ultimately seen, and when news gets back to Nash about Brand having an elven hostage, Nash makes plans to ambush the brigands and steal the elf for themselves. Or the ransom, if it's worth it. 
and I'm really enjoying the setup for this story thus far and getting to know the different faction leaders and personalities and locations. Again, big breath of fresh air. Keth delivers the weapons and it's wonderfully tense, as if two gunslingers were waiting to draw on one another. They pass the wagons over, Alonsa's drawn towards Keth, just as the goblins set fire to the force nearby and attack the two groups. Brand believes that Keth sent the goblins to attack his band, so he quickly takes Alonsa back, threatening to kill her as he withdraws from the area. Keth and his warriors kill over 50 goblins before they withdraw as well. With Alonsa back with the brigands, and Keth returning home without his wife or the ransom, he's not sure how to get his wife back. Nash returns to his goblin town and sits on his treasure hoard a la Scrooge McDuck, thinking how he can grow his army. Now, Alonsa is protected by Brand from the other brigands, who obviously want to have their way with her. Since they already have her ransom, there's no other use for her, according to them. Brand refuses as he's thinking of what he needs to do with her. They split the ransom cache of weapons into a bunch of different piles and store them in random caves all around the area. Ultimately, as winter hits, the coldest in memory, Alonsa realizes she has missed her period for two months. She is with child, her husband's child. But the lack of food and cave living, in addition to the constant physical abuse from the brigands, causes her to lose that child. Alonsa withdraws into her mind. She's acting as she needs to in order to survive by being a good captive, all the while hoping that Keth will save her. In Quelinost, at the birthday of Gilthanus's celebration, uh, a birth celebration, a goblin is brought to Keth claiming that he wants to kill Brand for Brand having cut the head off of their former goblin leader's son. He leads Keth to the weapons caches and lets him know about the brigands' movements, but they don't know exactly where they are at this moment. So they map out all of the caches, and Keth sends Lynn to gather warriors and collect the weapons while he and Demlin hunt the brigands with the goblins. The weapons caches are collected, and Brand eventually learns about it being completed, deciding to leave the area rather than be caught by Keth. Char, the dwarf, takes them deep underground, and Brand claims Alonsa as his own. This provides her protection from the others, but it means she is ostensibly his sex slave. Alonsa just lets him have his way with her, and she has no other course of action at this moment. I was led to believe, through hearsay and others at this point, that she was attracted to Brand, but I'm not getting that at all from this. I'm nearly finished with this book at this point, and yes, she allows him to rape her, but she doesn't want it, or like it. She's doing this for survival alone, leading me to believe that it was either misinterpreted by others, or they just straight up lied to me. One of the two. In either case, I like that Alonsa is a survivor, and the choices she's making are echoed by Lynn if she were in the same position. Life above all else, even though Keth believes a good elven woman would rather take her own life than be a rape survivor. Now, this speaks to so many disparities of understanding and culture between men and women in this fictional world. As the elven warriors have not seen Bran's band, and the goblins snuck away from Keth and Demlin to rejoin the hobgoblin leader in Pax Tharkas, it becomes clear that the elves need to rejoin their forces. The hobgoblin confronts the elves twice in battle before Keth rejoins them, and one was a total rout due to the magical staff that Nash wields. They begin to speculate that Nash is leading his army towards Pax Tharkas. Perhaps that's where he found the staff. So the elves once again split their forces to try and flank the goblin army. Brand is also forced to head to Pax Tharkas as an ogre clan attacks his brigands in their cave, and Alonsa prays to her god to save them when suddenly the cave starts to collapse. 
everyone flees, and Char the Dwarf leads them to Pax Tharkaz underground. I have no idea, or I had no idea, that we were going to be getting a bunch of historical information about Pax Tharkaz, but I love it. I welcome it. We're shown that there are Kith Kith Cannon's guards in life who remained behind in death to continue protecting the area. The skeletal minions kill a gully dwarf and seem to be ready to kill some goblins as well. We're at the point where Alonsa doesn't outright hate Brand, getting to understand him more these many months, but again, this is a far cry from liking him. As the bandits in Pax Tharkaz see the dust rising in the horizon, signifying the first half of the elven army, they hear loud sounds coming from beneath them. This is the skeletal guards killing the goblins. They, the realization hits Alonsa, who makes a bargain with Brand. If she can have her Sapphire Habakkuk uh, necklace back that Brand had taken from her earlier, she will go and deal with the undead, saving the bandits. If she survives, then she gets to walk out of Pax Tharkaz and be with her people throughout the Goblin War. Brand agrees. On the way down, she ends up being assaulted by one of the bandits and saved by Char. Together, they climb to the battlements as the skeletons break into the courtyard, attacking the bandits. Brand joins Alonsa and Char up top as she calls out to Habakkuk. The god answers, and a rising phoenix whirlwind attacks all of the rest of the skeletons. The bandits take massive casualties, and uh, Alonsa ultimately defeats the last of the skeleton guards. Outside Pax Tharkaz, Len sees Alonsa and calls out to her as the goblin army arrives. It's being attacked from behind by Keth's army. Nash is barely anything more than a flaming skeleton at this point because the magic of his staff is completely like corrupting him and taking him over. The goblins end up fleeing Keth's army, pressing and running headlong into Len's army. And as they battle, Len tells Keth and about Alonsa, who looks up to see her, Brand, and Char watching the battle. She ends up resting her head on Brand's shoulder, and Keth is immediately infuriated. Now, as the bandits are bandaging up, Brand tells Alonsa to leave, and she actually refuses till she knows that the goblins are dealt with. Then, Keth enters. He tells Bran to stand and fight, but Bran tells Alonsa to leave with her husband. Keth condemns Alonsa after seeing that she ended up sleeping with Bran in her eyes and moves to actually kill her. Bran steps in, taking the full brunt of the attack. Another bandit throws a dagger into Keth's throat, killing him. Bran tells Alonsa he loves her and dies. The bandits all split up and Char and Alonsa leave Pax Tharkaz before the elven army enters. They end up outside Quilinesty, where Char tells Alonsa that she has to claim that she was raped, and Alonsa says that she chose Brand over being raped and that she actually liked him. This blows my mind. She had a choice of being raped by the bandits or Brand. She chose Brand, but she's not a willing partner when he had sex with her. This is an impossible choice that is rape regardless of what choice is made. Rape is defined thusly. Unlawful sexual activity and usually sexual intercourse carried out forcibly or under threat of injury against a person's will or with a person who is beneath a certain age or incapable of valid consent because of mental illness, mental deficiency, intoxication, unconsciousness, or deception. And this is exactly the situation that Alonsa finds herself in and her ultimate adoration of brand sounds more like Stockholm Syndrome than love. Yes, her husband was a piece of trash who preferred her dead if she was raped. But that doesn't make Brand a good guy or an acceptable choice all of a sudden. 
But regardless, Char told the story about Alonso being raped, and Alonso went through with it so that she wouldn't be exiled as a dark elf. This end is complicated. It's convoluted. And one more reason why I love Dragonlance novels. Nothing is cut and dry, simple and easy. It's messy, like life. And personally, I appreciate that messiness. All right, so. This was a fantastic novel. Uh, it was very short. It was a very quick read. It's, it's like 280 some odd pages. I mean, just very, very short. Um, we get to know Alonsa really, really well throughout the course of this. And we see how she sort of integrates with the bandit group and how they, you know, initially scorn her and then end up relying on her. And that's an interesting journey that she goes through. Brand never really changes. And so it's hard for us as a reader to accept that Alonsa somehow liked Brand in the end because he died for her. I get that you would, I don't know, maybe have like a grudging respect for that one act, but he did rape you for months. That the entirety of the time that he was doing it, she was saying she just laid there and let him do it because she didn't know what else she could do because they would just kill her. She'd watched them murder people throughout the entire time, and so she knew the danger that she was actively in. And if she wasn't just with Brand, then all of the other guys in the bandit group were going to take turns on her. So she was in an impossible situation. I mean, at no point does this develop into love outside of Stockholm Syndrome. I just can't accept that in my mind. It, it, just, it blows my mind that that's how she ended the statement, saying, no, no, I loved him. I accepted him. La, you're out of your goddamn mind. Um, however, it made it... the the. <laughs> The specific situation did not make it worthwhile. But seeing the character conflict and development made this novel worthwhile. It, it gave us a situation that was anything but cut and dry. That in every situation was really horribly difficult for her to deal with. Her own husband turned against her because she was raped. He thought that she should kill herself. And when she didn't, he tried to kill her. So no one is on her side. For months, all through the winter into the spring, she's been dreaming about her one true love, her husband, to come and rescue her. And when he does, he's so disgusted that he tries to murder her. She has no one on her side. The only people on her side are the bandits. And they're only really on her side because their leader is having his way with her. So she's literally alone in the wilderness doing her best to survive, calling on Habakkuk whenever she can in order to try to find some semblance of peace and, and sense of, uh, of, of personal power or some sort of authority over her own life. But even that doesn't really work because Bran takes her, uh, her sapphire necklace early on in the uh, captivity. So yeah, it was, a, it was a, a complicated story that I think... Well, clearly, they knew what the outcome had to be, and so the author had to try to write it in a way that, yes, it paid homage to the original story of her just being a rape survivor, but also adding complications and what the hell are we going to do with her husband if she's married to the son, the youngest son of the Speaker of the Sun um, in Quilinesty. 
like, how do we get rid of him? And how do we have him react to her throughout the entirety of this sort of ransoming and then kidnapping? Um, it, it was rough, man. It was really rough to, to read in some parts. Um, you know, when she found out she was pregnant with her husband's child early on after having missed her period for so long, then as a, you know, someone who's, you know, we've all lived lives, you know, we've all had the weird experiences in life that, that are tragic and stuff. You can't help but feel the, the weight and the sorrow for her. And then when she's forced to make that decision of going to Brand over being sexually assaulted by everyone else in the damn brigand group, you're just like, well, that's what I would do too. And it's a horrible situation, but I don't want to die. I wouldn't want to kill myself. You know, I would, you're, she's hoping at that point that her husband is going to come save her. And so her only hope is to stay alive as long as she can until her husband can rescue her. And then ultimately, when he finally does, all he wants to do is murder her out of just disgust and shame. And that is a horrible take to have if you are the husband of a survivor like that. Like, what the hell are you thinking? What do you... I, I don't even want to entertain like the, the thoughts that are running through his head because they're so unthinkable. Like they're so obscure and crazy. At no part was this her fault. At no part did she have a real choice. It's ridiculous to expect that she should just kill herself. Um, and I really liked that his cousin, she was feeling the exact same way throughout the entire time when Keth was telling her that, look, she would never uh, sleep with any of them, and she would never let them rape her. And if they did rape her, she would do the right thing and murder herself. And his cousin was like, no, I wouldn't. I don't think she would either. I think that's a terrible choice. Why would anyone do that? But because he's the prince and in charge of the, the army that they're leading, she doesn't actually say that out loud. She just thinks it for us to understand. And then we're just forced to watch the outcome. It's brutal. It's just brutal. So yeah, it's it's a it's a story that is ultimately sad, but it feels more like Dragonlands than any of the eight new adventures books that I read before this. And of course, you know, feels more like Dragonlands than any of the Spelljammer books um, at all. And I really enjoyed it. I just I I like complicated situations. I like uh, you know characters actually having growth and going through experiences and you getting to understand how their mind processes the the trauma and the experience um and it just it you know there's there's a couple things that i'm starting to sort of wrap my head around where it would have bothered me a few months ago and that is habakkuk answers to her She's a wood shaper. So just as dwarves in Thorbarden who talk to Reorks and, and get his help know that Reorks is still alive, thus the gods did not abandon them at the Cataclysm, she knows that the gods didn't leave because she's regularly using Habakkuk's like, necklace in order to heal trees in the forest. So I'm, you know, a couple months ago, I would have struggled with the idea of the gods being present in this time. This is the age of despair. This is the time when you know, healing wasn't discovered again. The Seekers were a big, huge religion at this time. So I was a little, you know, I was a little bit frustrated about that. But ultimately, I think it all went great. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, I don't know, reading another Dragonlance novel at this point. <laughs> it sounds really stupid, but it did make me want to, you know, keep reading these. 
Because there are good novels out there. They're not all garbage. <laughs> and that's a good feeling. All right, so if you like Dragonlance novels or you like Tannis Half Elven, you want to hear about his actual conception, you should definitely read this novel. It is definitely worth your time. So, what do you guys have to say here? Um, <laughs> you did a shit ton of painting. <laughs> what? <laughs> you haven't read this one in a while, but you remember for the grown-up sensibilities? Yeah, for sure. Most, most Dragonlance novels have suggestions at the bare minimum of very adult situations uh, and this one does really really heavily as well and I, I enjoy that actually because I'm an adult let's see oh is this laggy that sucks sorry um, you probably can't tell but I'm in a completely different room than I normally am so uh, the, I have to connect to the internet in a different way so that's probably why uh, you always thought Tannis's mother was such a pacifist that this influenced Tannis, who was genetically predisposed to be a peacemaker. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Being the leader guy is such a burden. Yeah, but Tannis wears it well. He's great at it. All right, you should definitely... Uh, Mr. Mundane, thanks for tuning in live. So, Jason, thanks for tuning in live. Good to see you. Goldman, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in live. Um, Benjamin, appreciate you. Uh, and anyone else I might have missed. Yeah, so uh, that's going to do it. I think the next one I'm going to read is probably Conundrum because I just have the book right over here. So uh, I'll probably read that one next. I'm hoping that's going to be good, but I kind of heard it wasn't. <laughs> I'm still going to read it just to find out for myself. But um, ultimately, you know... I'm in a sort of a lull between the gaming sessions that I was hoping to do because the holidays and so we couldn't get everyone together for the next three weeks, which is blows my mind. But, you know, everyone has different schedules. So what can you do? Um, so I'm probably going to be trying to run a couple one off adventures um, just for fun in that time. Uh, I'm going to be doing a couple different things. So, you know, I've got an interview on Friday about uh, one of the new um fan-made supplements that's available on DMs Guild. Um, I've got a gaming session in a couple weeks that's scheduled to continue the Shadow of the Dragon Queen adventure, and that's going to be awesome because we're doing the Warriors of Kryn, and I've, I've set it up so it's all on the Roll20 virtual tabletop now. So it'll be a lot more seamless, and I won't have to sort of be in the way of the players doing their, their actions and stuff, which will be very, very helpful. And then uh, ultimately, I'm going to, you know continue doing what I do and that's talk about Dragonlance until your ears bleed <laughs> so put some cotton in them you're gonna need it all right thank you guys so much for tuning in that is it for this review of the inheritance by Nancy Varian Berberick what did you think about the fourth novel in the Dragonlance classic series did you have a favorite part of the novel you can always email me at info at or leave a comment below I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel Ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos and uh, click that stupid like button. This all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. And this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga. And I thank you for joining me in the celebration. Thank you for watching. This has been Adam with Dragonlance Saga. Until next time, Slangevar.